You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, we are live. <laughs> We're live. The come, Giants are, but we are. <laughs> no, the Giants are not live, Chris. Come one, come all, commiserate with Chris and I as we discuss this absolute tire fire that is the 2023 oh. New York Giants. Before we get into the game, Chris, I wanted to put this out there and get your opinion on it. I tweeted this. Look, the Giants had 11 days to prepare for this game. 11. They didn't get as healthy as we would like. There was no Saquon. There was no Andrew Thomas. But the Giants right now are night and day from last year's team. And it's not just because of the piss poor offensive line. That is piss and poor. (laughs) But it's also in terms of operationally, how many errors from the coaching staff have we seen? Discipline. They're just taking dumb penalties after plays. We saw that all throughout this game. The tackling has been atrocious. They might have more tackles through four weeks of the 2023 season than they did all of last year. They were one of the lowest missed tackle teams last season. And the offensive success is not there. Defensive have figured out what the Giants are wanting to do. They're pressuring them. The Giants are falling behind the sticks. They're falling behind, putting themselves into this one-dimensional mindset where that dimension is terrible for them because their offensive line sucks and everything just cascades past that. This is this is not good, buddy. Where do you want to start? Ooh, yeah. Well, I'll just say that Pro Football Reference doesn't have this week's missed tackle total yet, but they came in with 31 missed tackles. They had 49 all of last year. So I don't know that they had 18 missed tackles in this game, but they're getting awfully close. They'll probably have it by next week. But just as far as the discipline issues, that was something we were worried about back in preseason, you know, particularly uh, week two against the against the Carolina Panthers. We pointed that out, like particularly on the defensive side of the ball when, you know, the, the Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young is like really his first real NFL action. And the Giants just could not get off the field largely because of penalties, because of missed tackles, everything that is just on full display right now, or was on full display tonight and throughout the season. Yeah, at the time, we noted it, and it's just, you know, it's preseason. It, it's something the coaches should be working on. It should be a coaching point, but it's not something to be you know, hair on fire, alarmed about yet. But now, we're a month into the regular season, week four, going into week five, going up against probably the fastest team in the NFL, probably the best offense in the NFL, one of the best offenses in NFL history at least, you know, in this young season, it is a major, major problem. It's a major problem. That defense is now ran by Vic Fangio. 
And just starting with the offensive line, it's obviously terrible. Daniel Jones held on to the football a long time, got hit so many times throughout this game. I believe he was sacked 11 times. Let me check a moment. No, he was sacked 10 times. I'm sorry. Paris Campbell, according to ESPN, was sacked one time in one of those behind the line of scrimmage type of passes. The offensive line without Andrew Thomas is is terrible. It, it's it's it was compounded by the fact that JMS left in the first series of the game. Ben Bredesen had to kick over from left guard to center. I saw Ben Bredesen miss a couple different assignments, a couple different twists. Once Seattle had the ability to pin their ears back, they were all over Daniel Jones. But Jones also made several mistakes. And this offense with Daniel Jones running it, and the way this offense has been called, is everything. It's quick. It's out of his hands. And it has to be because of the offensive line. But when there are deeper passing concepts that can be hit and executed on, i.e. the one in the red zone, one that Brian Dable was so pissed off at Daniel Jones for, because Darren Waller was open. That is a very common concept that the Giants use frequently. A three-by-one set, the double China concept. They usually run the one and the two either on an in-breaking route, but they chose to do pivots to try to get the cornerbacks who were against them to shade to the outside. It didn't work. I'm not even sure if Jones was throwing to Campbell or Wandale. But if you looked at Darren Waller, he had his player beat. And if you, if you just loft it over the top of the number one and the number two, you can hit Darren Waller in the back of the end zone. But Daniel Jones and his offense in particular, they don't usually throw those deeper concepts. They like to check it down. They like to go shorter. And every defense knows this at this point. They drive down on everything the Giants are doing, and they go right through the catch point. And that's why we're seeing so many of these interceptions, even the one against Dallas with Trevon Diggs playing that cornerback. He sunk underneath. He knew the number two was going to leak out. And he knew Jones was going to throw it to the number two, and that's exactly what happened. Ball got popped up in the air, which was Saquon Barkley's fault, but it was also Daniel Jones for throwing him into that situation. So right now, offensively, if you can't protect Daniel Jones, the only thing he can really give you is those quick passes that defenses are waiting for. And then just him running around with his, with his, like a chicken with his head cut off, which sucks for him because he's going to get hurt if he keeps doing that, man. It's from an offensive standpoint, how much has this team regressed? It's, it's been just terrible, bro. Yeah. It, 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 they have regressed in every single way. You know, the Giants last year, they made their hay, they made the playoffs by being disciplined, by not, by hanging around, by not, by forcing the other team to make the mistakes. The, the Giants last year, they didn't make any mistakes, really. You know, they had very few penalties called. They have very, very few missed tackles. They kept making a profit on their place. They were always advancing the ball. Now, they didn't have a great scoring offense. You know, they, for most of the year, they were only averaging around 20 points a game. But with their defense making the plays that needed to be made when they needed to make them, that was enough. You know, they just hung around and hung around until they were able to finally pull out the win in the fourth quarter. Now, they can't even hang around for the first quarter. And except for that second half against Arizona, which is, that looks like a fluke right now. That just looks like a, an epic collapse by Arizona. The Giants... Credit to them, they did completely change up the script on that one, and they were aggressive. They threw down field, and they went with some alignments that they don't normally do, and Arizona just couldn't, they couldn't cope with that. They couldn't adjust. But since then, you know, the book has been written on the Giants' offense. Like you said, they go short first. They don't go deep unless the short throws, the, those quick throws, are taken away. Yeah, that even last year, like against the Eagles, we saw Isaiah Hodgins just absolutely 
smoke James Bradbury on multiple double moves downfield. And Jones never looked that way. He never looked that far downfield. We saw it against yes, the offensive too, last year. Yeah, exactly. With Darius Clayton. Yeah. And the the offensive line is an issue, but it isn't that big of an issue. Yeah. I think the Giants don't have a whole hell of a lot of time before week five. They've they've got a short week because you know it's Monday. It's almost Tuesday at this point. They don't have a whole lot of time for soul searching, but they need to figure something out because it everybody knows what they're going to do right now. They know that, like you said, when that two leaks out into the flat, that's where the ball is going. Uh, the pick six with Witherspoon, it, they knew all the way that that's where the ball was going. It didn't help that Jones threw a an inaccurate pass. He threw it to the outside while Paris Campbell broke towards the middle of the field. But Jones also stared the slot down. Yeah, he was looking to the, to where Paris Campbell was going to be before he even finished his drop. So that made it easy for Witherspoon to break on that ball. And yeah, it's just like you said before, it's just everything is wrong. This offense, this team in general is completely dysfunctional. You know, the the Giants defense played better this game. They only gave up gave up 24 points, but also the Seattle Seahawks offensive line was missing four starters by the end of the game. They lost two starters over the course of the game. Geno Smith was missing for a fair amount of the game. Uh, he's, he had a knee injury over the course. Yeah, he was questionable to questionable to return. Yeah, that is set up for the Giants' defense to take over the game, and they just couldn't. So, so a, a lot of things need to change. You can make the argument that the Giants defense only gave up, what, 10 points because they got yeah. two touchdowns off two turnovers with the strip sack and then obviously the pick six by Witherspoon. Such a sway of momentum. At that point, I was feeling low at the pick six. I was like, man, this team sucks. You know, they can't get anything going. Everything seems to be going wrong. It's Murphy's Law times 10. And then they finally mustered a drive. It was like their first respectable drive since the first drive of the game where they went forward on fourth down and they got stopped. Their tush push game is weak. They can't tush push whatsoever. And then the pick six happens. And that's when I was like, oh my God, dude, this season is dreadful. This is a tragic, <laughs> devastating season. And there's really no other way to get around it at this point, Chris. This team just lost to a team that they're going to be competing for valuable wild card spot if they actually plan to make the playoffs. But where are they getting their next win? You have the Dolphins on deck. Then you have the Buffalo Bills. Then you have what? Washington. And then you have the Jets, I think. And then New England comes up soon. You have the, the Vegas. And I'm just thinking of teams that are somewhat beatable at this point. Can they beat New England? Maybe. Can they beat the Jets? I don't know. That defense is so damn good. It's uh, it's looking bleak, Chris. It's looking bleak. Yeah. It it really is. I I suppose maybe Washington, but again, the, like the, outside of the quarterback position, and you know Sam Howell, he had he has some upside. He's a he's a talented runner at quarterback, and they've got a t they've got talent elsewhere on the roster. Like you said, <clears throat> the Jets have a ton of talent on their defense, and they've got talent on their offense too. If Zach Wilson can get the ball to them. If he plays like he did against Kansas city, I don't know if that game is really within reach for this giants team, unless something really changes. Uh, New England's kind of a mess. 
they'll probably be looking for a new quarterback. You know, the, the Mac Jones experiment seems to be, seems to have run its course. Uh, Vegas, I guess maybe like, yeah, you're right. It's, it's pretty bleak out there. But back to this game. Look, I get it. The offensive line sucks. Seattle's offensive line was playing musical chairs and they didn't look nearly as pathetic as the giants. Something's wrong with this giants offensive line, the development of these young rookies. Cause it's not like Joe Shane has neglected it. Joe Shane has poured assets. He poured a first round pick, a top 10 pick into this right tackle who has struggled and never, never developed. He put, spent a second on JMS. Unfortunately, he got hurt. We'll have to wait and see. And they have a lot of depth pieces who just seem way over their head at this point. And then that, and then I want to transition a little bit from this. We spoke a lot about the offensive line. I think the offensive line is the primary issue here, but there are a lot of other variables and a lot of other issues with this team. But the special teams, what the hell is going on with the special teams, Chris, at this point, man? You have a muff by Eric Gray. That's going to happen, okay? And a lot of these, I, I just chalk up. I'm like, well, you know, that's just going to happen. And I try to excuse it. And then at some point, I'm like, you're just being a dumbass, dude. Why are you excusing all this? No, the special teams has been bad for freaking years now. The muff by Eric Gray. You had the Gary, the Gary Brightwell penalty. Cam Brown should have been flagged for, for an unnecessary hit. You had the running into the kicker and a holding on the same play. Some sort of weird ineligible man downfield, or or there was something weird, another thing I had marked down. And then you had the the ball getting let, the, the, they let the ball roll down to the two-yard line as well on the on the one um punt that pinned the Giants back. They were actually at least able to get some offensive points on that drive, ironically enough. But what the hell is going on? with the special teams unit. Yeah. Again, I think it's a lot of things with the special teams. I think the guys are pressing. They're trying to make something happen. And that's leaving, leading to just bad decisions, undisciplined play. Again, like a, a lot of these guys are back of the roster players. And there's quite a few of those defensive players. And I think just the kind of lack of discipline on this team is leaking over onto the special teams. You know, I I think we might have to, you know, phone a friend on this one, get Joe on there Maybe. and get his autopsy on the special teams because he <laughs> is the expert. Yeah, I, I do think a lot of it is complete lack of discipline in keeping their lanes on the kick coverage, uh, just being out of position for tackles, giving up returns, and then just guys making bad decisions and being out of position leading to holds and all of those penalties that are just this game. It seemed like any time the offense, the defense would do something good. One of the other sides of the ball would just immediately shoot them in the foot. They, they just flaxed themselves every drive. The giants have been shooting themselves in the foot all season. Something that even when they show they some life, they're like, ah, now nah. it's like the, uh, the Eric Andre meme. You know, where he, where he was like, why did I do this? Like, what happened? They just end up shooting themselves in the foot by lack of execution or just bad play calling, too. That's That's been another issue. And then, obviously, the special teams. The lack of discipline is the one thing that I'm looking at. And I'm like, this wasn't the Giants team last year. They baited no. other teams into making stupid mistakes and taking advantage of those penalties. This Giants team, they're taking dumb penalties. Like, Gary Brightwell, why are you shoving DJ Dallas after the play? You know you're going to get a penalty. Like, what did he say? Did he step on your toes? Like, what the hell happened to to cause that? That that's something that like I feel like we need answers on because it's just unnecessary and it's resulting. And that was early enough in the game to where we at least were delusional <laughs> enough to believe the Giants had a shot to win the football game. It's um, I don't know, man. There, there's so much to to go over and chew on with, with this specific loss. The passing defense, there's there's no life there. I felt like Matt Breida. 
he left some plays on the field, but he was probably the best offensive player out he there was. at the same time. He was making a lot of plays, making the right read. He just slipped up on a couple of different, uh, the one twenty-two, the first 22 yard catch he made. Then he had another run where it could have been a bigger, longer run, but uh, he didn't, it didn't, he just didn't really have to. Well, one thing I wanted to say too, I didn't even look at the stats on this, Chris, but I just That's think probably for that the best. it's probably for the best. I don't even know if the Seattle safeties made a tackle because the Giants weren't throwing down the field at all. And the Giants weren't really getting up to the second level. Like Bobby Wagner had like 18 tackles in this <laughs> damn game. I don't think the safeties even like had to tackle this entire game because the Giants didn't challenge them at all. Cause they couldn't. I mean, if they did, it was because they were coming up into the tackle box to make the tackle. Yeah. They showed the stat at the end of the game. Jones had two passes that were targeted more than 10 yards downfield. And the second one was his second interception that he just threw to the middle of the field where there were no giants. So it, I think if we our second show, when we kind of go back over the tape and kind of really sink our teeth into it, I think that's going to be much more of an autopsy than an analysis of this particular game, because yeah, the, this team is just fundamentally broken and they should have been improved over last year. Remember when they added that, who, what was that guy's name? Um, they added, who, what the hell? Some star tight end they added. I can't remember his name. Remember when the giants added him and then they just didn't oh, yeah, pay yeah, attention yeah, yeah. to him whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah. in all, in, in the defense of that, I think it's somewhat indefensible because it didn't even look like they were looking his way. I'm imagining Seattle was bracketing him similar to what the San Francisco 49ers did. But there did come a point where I was like, are you guys going to at least try to change <laughs> this up and stop throwing to Paris Campbell and Wondell Robinson in the flat? Look, this has been a very negative podcast, rightfully so, because the Giants have been an unmitigated disaster. But <laughs> if we're going to look at some of the positives, Kayvon Thibodeau had two sacks. Both on the same move, which is a quick yep. double swipe, win to the inside, but you have to set Jack Kern, who isn't the starter because Abraham Lucas is on the IR. Charles Cross also didn't play. They also lost two interior offensive linemen, so they had musical chairs on the offensive line as well, but still were able to assemble an offense. I digress. Came on Thibodeau, set Curran up both times to the outside, exploded inside, used his hands, which is one of my biggest gripes with Kayvon Thibodeau, and then exploded into the pocket to sack Geno Smith. I felt like the return of Aziz Ojolari, you saw a different juice, specifically earlier in the football game, with how he was able to explode upfield and get pressure and uh, also just force Geno to step up. Like Having Aziz Ojolari back is, is crucial to this, to this defense because it is going to force quarterbacks to step back up into the pocket where you're going to have one Dexter Lawrence and hopefully Leonard Williams really getting upfield to, to get sacks and also just create havoc. So those were some good takeaways, I guess, from the defensive side of the football. You have anything positive? Uh, Mike McFadden looked pretty not bad for most pretty of the game. Not bad. I like that. For uh, overall, historically for a New York Giants linebacker, pretty not bad is that that's a good bar to cross. And then Wondell Robinson, he continues to impress. I think he has pretty much won the Giants starting slot receiver job. And I have to I have to say I was impressed with his play strength out there you know both as a ball carrier and then also a couple times throwing some blocks yeah you know, he is tough he reminds me of a he is reminding me of a young sterling shepherd out there he isn't fast but he is very quick he's got great feet great contact balance 
And he does bring that upside as a ball carrier. He can play out of the backfield. He's a former running back. So he knows what to do with the ball in his hands. He's got vision. And he, this is getting way ahead of ourselves, but he does offer at least the possibility of some of those pony package looks as a backfield player with either Saquon or Matt Breida also back there. Of course, Giants need to have a functional offense for that to really matter, but it's at least a possibility. <laughs> That's all we're looking for right now is possibilities. I think Wandell Robinson fits in perfectly to this offense in general, but specifically to how they're playing right now with, look, we can't really do anything. We can't throw deep. Whether that's just because of the offensive line or if you go through the tape over the last couple of years, it's also because Daniel Jones has been a little little bit hesitant to rip it deep in the past. If you look through the 2022 tape, just going to be fair there. But the offensive line is obviously a huge issue. So Wondell Robinson is, I believe, the best quick safety valve on this offense. And he's moving around just like he did before he tore his ACL. So that's one certain encouraging sign. But you pointed this out before, Chris. The Giants got a short week before they have to travel yes, to Miami to play the Dolphins. And then they got to travel to Buffalo to play the Bills, two of the best teams in not just the AFC, but the entire NFL. And you look at after this Seattle loss, you're sitting at one and three, very close to being a defeated team. It feels like you're a defeated team. I mean, it's uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the press conference. And um, oh. it's um it's bad, bro. It's bad right now. Anything else before we get out of here, though, dude? No, no. I, I, I think we've kind of covered enough for, you know, Maybe not hot takes, but at least immediate reaction. I want to get eyes on that tape to really go, really go over, really dig into it, and try to figure out at least some of what went wrong. Because this, these kinds of failures, it, it's never one thing. It's never one guy. It's never one position group. It takes a lot of things working together to look this bad. Because somehow this twenty-four to three loss looked and felt worse than 40 to nothing. It did. I don't know why, but it did. But thank you everyone for commiserating with us right here, coping with us as Lynn Dorfins says in our chat <laughs> as well. And please, if you guys want to commiserate more, head on over to bigblueview.com and check out all of our written content. Also subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to the YouTube as well. Check us out wherever you get your podcast and just um, try to... Try to wash out the stench of um, <laughs> of what you just watched. I I do apologize. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.